In August 2015, Gary Newman and Dana Walden, co-chairs and CEOs at Fox, met with journalists to discuss the upcoming Prison Break reboot. When questioned about the reasoning behind rebooting this particular show, Walden remarked that people are still interested in these characters. And she was right. Prison Break remains one of the most successful library shows on Netflix. What is it about these properties that make them so ripe for being remade? A cynic might argue that it's the result of a tired system relying on fond nostalgia to gather as much cash as possible from a sinking ship. But what if it were something more? What if there was some intangible quality that couldn't be quantified? This show is about the search for that essence. This is Still Interested for Curio. Still interested, a TV and film reboot spook cast for the Curio Network. I'm, as always, your special October spook host, Boone McAllister. <laughs> oh my goodness. And, and I am your <laughs> little gremlin, Jack O'Lantern Usid. <laughs> I had Jackson Spooks it lined up if you couldn't think of one. That would also have been good, yeah. What about Jack O'Lantern Spooks it? You can definitely come That's actually better, yeah. We'll, we'll, I'll just clip that back in. Yeah, clip, clip it to that. Oh, man. What a time. It's my favorite month of the year, which is to say <laughs> Spooktober. <laughs> yeah, all the costumes, all the candy, all the genuine ghouls. It's going to be... The, um, the uh, parades... Uh, and probably a big one this year, I think, because like we've so much unrest in the world. Surely yeah, we this need is, like a this is going to be a big Halloween. Yeah, yeah you an have expectation of pity and fear. Yeah, <laughs> it's, it's like yeah, it's like the purge, but in the real world. <laughs> <laughs> Halloween this year is going to be an all-out purge fest. It'll have to be <laughs> right. Like, it's, the only, it's the only thing that makes sense. Yeah, it's uh, the only thing I'm I'm holding on to. I've been yeah. waiting for October thirty first. Go go get all my crimes done. <laughs> I'm actually planning to commit some corporate white collar crimes. <laughs> um, hey, yeah, get those that. get those corporate fat cats, dude. I'm all about that. Yeah, yeah. No, I mean, I'm going to become one of those corporate fat cats. I'm going to do like a Bitcoin heist. I'm going to oh. steal October 31st. You know, the purge, purge night. I'm going to steal all the Bitcoin. <laughs> oh wow, that's going to be yeah. <laughs> probably more work than it's worth. It sounds like. <laughs> yeah, at this point. <laughs> Shall we address the elephant in the room? Yeah. Which is the fact that we're doing Halloween, my friend. Mm. The 1978 John Carpenter classic Halloween. Because this way, we're bringing you this one a couple weeks before fucking... What, what will it be? Like the week before Halloween. And then yeah. just after Halloween, we'll be back with the remake. Keeping you on those spooktober vibes deep <laughs> into the middle of November. Yeah, deep into November. <laughs> and then like we might do the new one when it's out on Blu-ray. In which case, get excited for a spooky February. <laughs> yeah, that's going to be premium spooks <laughs> in February. The first thing I want to note is the title screen for this movie. One of the first things we see is Donald Pleasance. Which yes. is such a nice name. For a scary movie to start with. It's basically like the being like, this man is Donald Pleasant. (laughs) (laughs) 
We've got some other names coming forward here. That's right. It's Jamie Lee Curtis. Mm-hmm. Uh, she's she's there. We've got that fucking iconic music, by the way. Oh. It's like it's so, so the done by John Carpenter himself. Yeah, it's like a slow zoom in on a jack o' lantern. It's like in in blackness, and as we slowly zoom in, we get this like spooky yellow text on screen with all these names, and uh, it's just backed by. And we're just like. And like really like what I, what I like about this opening is that it sets up a few important things keep, keep about this movie. Keep oh yeah, please underscore me. Namely that Donald Pleasance for some reason is a big part of this film. Watching it you you'd be surprised, but they want to let you know that this is a big a big vibe. Like just, he gets top billing in the credits. Yeah, which is just wild to me. Um we then have and then we have this like long zoom in, and there's gonna be a lot of long zooms throughout this film, and then focusing on a jack-o'-lantern, and we just kinda kinda go closer and closer and closer until we're like right in the left eye of this jack-o'-lantern, and then whoosh, flame goes out black screen and we start the movie i also think we have to we'd be remiss if we didn't point out the fact that this music this like underscoring creepy music it is remakeable it is a highly remakeable oh, yeah of like a slasher and or horror film dude like, i am address, like, i am so excited for the no doubt like new metal approach to this <laughs> to this track <laughs> that fucking like corn style like real chunky chunky chords yeah. <laughs> yeah, totally, dude. Uh, that that is gonna be good. Uh, I gotta say, like, we should probably just address this quickly. Like, this this movie is not um, it's not the first slasher movie. Like, like Texas Chainsaw Massacre was already out. I think Black Christmas was already out at this point in 1978. But it's it's definitely like the first slasher movie that follows the kind of format that becomes yeah. slasher movie. Well, like and and like you're, you're, you're getting like the you're getting like the POV stuff yeah again yeah, with like yeah, like yeah. focusing on like sort of teens and this sort of uh, I guess psychosexuality sort of stuff that comes in um, <laughs> and but like but also like this is the film which like Sean Cunningham like has admitted to essentially trying to rip off with yeah, Friday the Thirteenth like all the slasher movies we've done are like cut copy Halloween yeah. and like all the most successful slasher movies that have come after this point are like cut copy the framework from Halloween like. There are some things that have changed, but like it, and, and, and like rightfully so. Like look at how we get them. Yeah. There are a lot of things this movie could do a lot better. Yeah, but you got to give it props. Like I just want to get that oh, out. Oh, totally. Like, and like, and like, I got to give this movie props. Like, and I think watching it, like there's some like goofy, there's some goofy shit that happens. But like compared to watching Friday the Thirteenth and that sort of thing, like the use of like the presence of the killer in this movie to actually create suspense and like like terror is actually like re- like it's. It's silent and like like playing with set, like the sound is really interesting and like the use of like having like these very wide framed shots and then something just yeah. in the foreground like it's actually it holds up remarkably well yeah a lot of definitely out of focus coming into focus yeah like it's it's yeah it's interestingly shot and it, it holds up like way better in terms of actual spooks yes. than some of the uh, some of the other old slasher movies yes no question about that now I will say these fucking opening credits man they will not stop like, they, they just really so gone for a while <laughs> like it's literally like probably four straight minutes as we just slow zoom in and it's like it's just like is this meant to be scary because it's just this spooky text as all these different names show up on screen like we don't need to know like production designer Tommy Wallace bam <laughs> bow, 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 bow. 
Oh my god, Tommy Wallace, I'm so scared. Anyway, <laughs> finally we get through the opening credits, and now we're in Haddonfield, Illinois, in 1963. We get what is now a very overdone trope, which is a bunch of children singing a spooky song. Mm-hmm, it probably mm-hmm. wasn't an overdone trope in 1978 when this movie came out. Yeah, um, and so we get this sequence here, which was actually at the time, like, critically applauded for what is essentially just, like, a long tracking shot, um... Mm. where we have uh, some sort of shaky cam POV stuff happening of someone watching these two rowdy teens just, like, getting into it on a couch. Um, We then see, like, this, like, the cameras, like, moving around the house at, like, night, looking into these windows. We see the teens go upstairs. um, And so this camera then starts to move and, like, sort of creeping around the back of this house. There's, like, some breathing going on. Like, it's, like, very much POV, first person. We see um, on the couch the teens are fooling around with, like, this, like, weird clown mask as well, which they then, like, throw away. Um, And then just having a fun time. Like, you know how you do it, like, sometimes you've just got a mask and you're like, look at this little mask, isn't it weird? Yeah, if 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 you're having a rowdy sexual experience, like like when you're a teenager like there's a lot of mask play involved and that's what people won't you tell you about the modern day but yeah exactly to keep it, to keep it light yeah just, otherwise you know, it's, just very, it's very awkward it's very terrifying it's your first you're sexual scared, experience there's changes happening to your body yeah. and you just got a hormones like you wouldn't believe light. and how do you have, like, you're like a little bit of mask play can really help you just like smooth things over so we the, all wear masks don't we yeah anyway. <laughs> so, so the camera's sort of like moving through and then uh, stops reaches into a kitchen drawer and pulls out a gigantic knife for... I gotta say, dude, these fucking idiots left their back door just wide open. Yeah. Like, they just just fucking left the door open. Fucking just complete idiots. The spooky POV breather walks in and gets a knife, as you said, and then, yeah. This is actually kind of scary. Like, this holds up really well. Oh, yeah. Yeah, 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 definitely. Um, We then see this, this sort of, like, figure... Coming, coming around the corner, we see like the boyfriend character of the teens, like running out for some reason, who apparently can't see, <laughs> can't see wh- whoever out the POV is with. Two because, meters to his left. Yeah, yeah, and yeah. Th- th- there's a fair bit of that in this movie of like people just like not noticing. I guess. Uh, yeah, anyway, um, we then start creeping upstairs and walk into a room where a half-naked Judith Myers is seated, seated brushing her hair. On the way in, the figure reaches down and, like, grabs the little clown mask thing. Yeah. Puts it on, and so we're now looking at it, what's going on uh, through these little so clown masks. I, I know, I know. <laughs> it's like the whole scene now just becomes, like, two tiny I little I know, it's so, it's so <laughs> wild. We're looking through this clown mask. We then, see, we then see Judith turn around and scream, being like, Michael, what are you doing? And then this Michael just starts stabbing her to death. Like, just, like, yep. stabbing again and again and again and again. Now, two things here that I want to say. Firstly, LVP to Judith Myers and the other guy for leaving their house open. And also LVP to this actress, unfortunately. Yeah, look, it's not a, gr- not a great role. This not a great role for her. Like, she just, like... She literally just goes like, what, what, what? And then just falls over. Yeah. She looks so bad. And, like, their insistence on showing, like, her breasts after she's dead to show the wounds yep. 
It's just it's literally like so through the camera because the camera has this clown mask on it, right? So it's just seeing these two tiny little points of light, and it kind of looks like they're like artfully obscuring her breasts, like while she's lying down on the ground. But then like the camera shifts a little bit just to make sure they're in the, <laughs> yeah, they're yeah, yeah, in yeah. The but also, the but also like, because of that, you're then just seeing like the red paint that is the blood, like just like splattered yeah. on her chest, and you're like, all right, well that's yeah. really really pulling me out of any sort of belief in her being dead. Um, yeah. we, we then, the camera then shifts back out, it starts heading downstairs, a car pulls up, and it's like, oh shit, are they gonna grab, like, the parents as well? The mask comes off, and then we leave POV for the first time, and it is a child. Yeah, it is like big reveal. Like that's this, quite good. Yeah, this teeny tiny boy holding this knife that's like about as long as his legs. That for some reason was in the suburban family home, and also, yep. and holding the mask. And like obviously, everyone's freaking out. Yeah, I mean, like, what a cool way to open a movie. Like, that's actually very cool. It's like, you yeah. see this spooky horror thing that hasn't been done before, and then, boom, it's a child. Like, big reveal. Mm. Which is why I bring to this Halloween franchise, Jackson, a new, let's say a tool. A new, okay. a new, little, uh, a new little metric, which I'm calling spook rating. Which is where we're going <laughs> to rate the spooks on All a right. fucking A to F scale. And this one, right off the bat, this whole opening scene gets a spook rating B plus for me. Ooh. And here's why. Built very nicely. Very cool elements to it. Didn't think the execution of the actual murder was very good. <laughs> so it yeah. loses a few points there. Not perfect, but B plus. See, I, I, I'd bump you down to a B- minus because I, while I think there was some good setup and, like, the reveal is definitely fun, I do think that, like, there is an actual... Like, given... And keeping and we'll get into this, but this is the only slashing we're going to get for a little while. Um, yeah. Given that the film gives us this and then is like, and now wait for the next one, it does, I, I think, diminish it a little bit. So I, I would bump it down to, like, a B-. minus. So, so now it's, like, the 80s? It, it is 1978. This film that comes out, like, October 1978 and is based in, like, October 1978. Just some real contemporaneous spooks. It's, like, dark, it's rainy, it's spooky, and we're basically getting the idea that we have a, like, a doctor, like, a psychiatrist or that sort of thing, and a nurse mm-hmm. heading towards this, uh, this hospital, um... Mental facility. Yeah. An ba- asylum or something. Basically, yeah. And it is just, like, we're getting shots outside the car, it is, like, so rainy, you can barely see anything the conversation's just rolling along and we get sam loomis talking about how he never wants to let michael out and that he's that he's been his doctor for a number of years and that he believes that he should never ever be free Yes, so I guess we learned that, yes, like Mike, this kid who did Mike, the murder in 19... Mikey, yeah, 19... your boy Mikey. Yeah, little little Mikey. <laughs> Lil, Lil Mikey, as he's now known. Yeah, Sam Man. Lewis. They're talking about what drugs they're going to give him. She's yeah. like, what? If you never want to even get him out, what are we doing now? Like, I guess he's going to court or something. And they're talking about giving him these sedative drugs... Uh, and then they pull up there, but you guessed it, something spooky happens. There are a bunch of patients all over the place. Like, they literally pull up on, like, the lawn of the place that they're going, the psychiatric facility, and there's just all these dudes, like, wearing, like, I, I don't know, like, um, gowns, like, uh, you know, hospital gowns, mm. just, like, walking around on the lawn. And the nurse is like, I didn't think they let them out at night and in the rain. And Sam Williams yeah. is like, oh, fuck. And he, like, gets up and, like, he's like, stay in the car. And he, like, runs over to the gate and he starts talking to someone. And then we're back in the car with the nurse and then... 
a musical sting, which, by the way, fucking sick. It's a yeah. thing that keeps coming back in this movie. Yeah, we get yeah. like a cool sting as we see like very quickly like a blurry figure jump on the roof of the car, like walk across the roof of the car and grab the nurse by the face and just kind of like fuck with her. Yeah, like, like bre- she- breaking through the, like the, like the, the glass window. And I, I feel like yeah. this movie also sets up this trope that like breaking glass is really fun. Like I, I'm pretty sure that there's a bit of an in Texas Chainsaw Massacre, but like from this film, like every time someone's near glass it's like oh it's about to break and they run with that for like a decade worth of slasher movies okay so somehow she like falls out of the car or something and whoever jumped on the car jumps in the car and drives away and loomis comes over to the nurse and he's like what what happened oh no he's gone from here the evil is gone title pitch but also a weird thing to say like he literally he goes over and he's just like telling you the evil is gone I'm not really sure where that comes from it just seems like a really strange strange decision or words to say I was gonna say I I was gonna say here as well because like I was was watching the film with Sane and she she brought up like he's been in this he's been in this place for 15 years since he was like a little boy how does he know how to drive like (laughs) But dude, that's addressed in the movie. I, I know, I know it is, but I just wanted to raise it here because we were watching it, and just like, how does this happen? Like, he just gets in and he zooms away so comfortably. And yeah, it's- that is a great question that I did not even think of until it was addressed in the movie later. So hats <laughs> off to Saint for that one. Now we're back in Haddonfield, Illinois, on Halloween night. Uh, it's a very quaint neighborhood, and I gotta say, dude, terror and horror coming to a quaint suburban neighborhood. This is the first slasher movie to do that. Yes. I'm pretty sure, and it is very relatable and very remakeable. Like that's like fucking Nightmare on Elm Street. That's like essentially what the whole thing is about. It's like a neighborhood that is very relaxed, but also there's like a supernatural horror taking place there which yeah. is very very cool you can really see the seeds of like Nightmare on Elm Street oh yeah. yeah 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 but like there's a kid and a lady walking around Haddonfield like a high school aged yeah. student Laurie who is Jamie Lee Curtis by Jamie the way. Lee Curtis just, up yeah. in the mix they're just kind of talking about the fact that it's Halloween her dad has uh, is like a real estate agent I think who is yep. maybe trying to sell the Myers, the Myers house. house and so yep. he is given uh, his daughter Laurie uh, the key, the key for the house to like leave it there essentially, and so they're, they're sort of like yeah, walking right. along, and then um, yeah, okay, I wasn't sure what the point of this scene was, but there you go. I guess yeah, yeah, yeah. So they're they're walking along. She has the key. She has to drop it off, and Tommy's like, he's like, you can't go up there, and then he, uh, which is a title pitch for me. He goes, uh, uh-uh, uh, that's the spook house. Which I think yeah, really, very, good. Like, very true, Tommy. Um, and then like Laurie just like goes up like, ah, oh, I've got this key. I'm allowed to drop it off. Walks up, drops down the key, turns back. As she's going, we just see this figure emerge uh, from behind like the window, essentially. Laurie doesn't see. And we get a little musical sting. Yeah. Out. You can't ignore John it. Carpenter with and this music. There's someone in there watching, for sure. Now, it's Laurie, and she's in high school. And she's sitting in class, and she's just, like, daydreaming, as she does. And the teacher calls on her. But she's distracted, because she looks outside the window of her classroom and sees a car with a spooky man standing nearby. Now... It is the middle of the day, and essentially what she's seen that is spooky is a man standing next to a car. So not really that spooky. I am giving this a C- on the spook scale. But in rapid succession, we've now seen two things where it's basically like someone standing there, and then we get like an implication that this man, who 
the spoiler spoiler is Mike Myers. Like at no point in the movie is it ever well, actually it's, said. It's, it's Michael Myers, Ben. It's not Mike yeah. Myers. Very different, <laughs> very different <laughs> vibes. I mean, between I'm gonna go with between a, a, a beloved family actor, yeah, Mike it's, Myers. It's, it's Dana Carvey. Uh, <laughs> I'm gonna go with Mike Myers. Uh, yeah, as played by Dana Carvey. Yeah, and anyway, so like we see him standing there. Like this is like two times in rapid succession that we just like see him. Just kind of in the distance. And that happens a lot in this movie. Like, for the next 40 minutes, pretty much, like, the movie is just, like, people walking around, and then... And it's just, like, a shot of Mike Myers in the distance somewhere. Got the first goof here for this movie, by the way, in the school scene here. As often happens, the haircuts on screen tend to reflect the time that the film was made in and not the era of the story. In the prelude, Michael's sister's boyfriend has longish hair hanging over his ears. Not an issue in 1978, but no high school male would have been caught dead with such a haircut in 1963. <laughs> <laughs> Alright, fashion police. Jesus. Yeah, exactly. Someone is, like, hair policing fictional teens. Um, I bet I bet it's the Dean, dude. I bet it's the Dean on IMDb. <laughs> <laughs> I am Dean B. Yeah, I am like Dean a special B. version of IMDb. Dude, you could be Dean B. If you become a Dean of a school one day, you could be Dean yeah. B. Oh, yeah. What I'd a say fun that's time. highly likely, too, with my career trajectory. Yes. <laughs> I'll become the Dean. Basically, her teacher puts her on blast for staring out the window and is like, Hey, Laurie, what's the answer? And Laurie turns around and just, like, crushes it. Um, and just so, like, oh, you want this answer, you little yeah. bitch? <laughs> yeah, it's, it's very. Her. Yeah, Jamie Lee Curtis is very provocative in this movie. Yeah, um, she does but then a lot she, of swearing. yeah, she does a lot of swearing. She turns back, and both the car and the masked boy are gone, which was also yep. kind of spooky because, like, man, that car runs. Like, I, I understand that's a state silent, vehicle, dude. but like, it so runs silent. Quiet. Yeah, yeah. Okay, so now we're hanging out with Tommy, who's the little kid from before, and he's at school, and it looks like some schoolboy hazing is occurring, but fuck, do these kids suck at it? Yeah, they're just kind of like, like boogeyman, 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 and he's like, no, don't tell me about the boogeyman. But they're not even telling you about the boogeyman. Like, the the bullying that we're seeing is Tommy's standing there, three kids are standing around him in a semicircle, literally just chanting, boogeyman, boogeyman. (laughs) It's like, what is this? And then they're like, he's gonna get you, he's gonna get you, he's gonna get you. It's so stupid. And these kids get an LVP for me, just for not knowing how to bully. Oh yeah, for sure. They they spook him so bad by saying boogeyman that uh, Tommy trips and uh, falls over on his pump pumpkin and breaks his pumpkin that he was going to turn yeah, into a jack kind of sad. It's just really just, sad. She just like crushes the pumpkin under his body. Oh, we, no. We then get yep. one... Well, that's going to make a mess as well. And this film yeah. really doesn't like people getting messes on their clothes, which is something no, we no, will no. return to. It's actually to. an important plot point. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's actually really clever foregrounding now that I think about it. Um, yeah. uh, one of the bullies runs off and is just grabbed by Michael. Michael Myers yep. just grabs him, looks at yep. him, and then lets him go, and then walks past as he... And like this, okay, in terms of spooks, this one kind of got me. Not so much as it like being like a shocking, like sort of like terrifying moment, but just like we have Tommy walking now, like heading home, walking through the school, as Michael Myers from a distance is like there walking, following him, getting into his car, and then like driving past, like at walking speed, just like driving past and and watching Tommy as he walks. And I think, yeah. like, 
for this era, like nineteen, like late seventies, like we're getting into like the eighties now. We're getting into this Stranger sense Danger. that, like, yeah, Stranger Danger. Like you get like the whole like Jacob Wedling stuff and like the whole all that Stranger Things sort of that whole vibe of like home is no longer safe and that there are people out there that can hurt you. I think that's what this film is playing off in a huge way, and I, I genuinely think like I I probably say like. Spook Factor B. I actually think, like, this was actually more unsettling. Um, because of, like, the whole, like, you know, the, the innocence of, like, Tommy and that sort of thing. He's just got pumpkin on himself. He's had a real goofy day. And there's just this, like, presence very slowly and methodically, like, tracking him. Yeah, and we get another one of these cool tracking shots, which yeah. there are a lot of in this movie. And I gotta yeah, say, they're... highly remakeable. Big fan of the tracking shots. Mm, they're a mm. very, very cool element of the film. Uh, okay, so now we're back with Sam Loomis, the doctor who has been treating Michael oh, for 15 years. And he's on the oh, side Loomis. of the road somewhere. Like, I guess he's leaving Smith's Rock and he's on his way to Haddonfield and he's stopped on the side of the road to, I guess, call the Haddonfield PD, right? Like, he's called him to be like, by the way, I'm pretty sure that this escaped killer is coming back to Haddonfield. He's basically yeah. just saying that. And he's like, he's on the way. I know he's on the way. He'll be coming back. I'm pretty, pretty sure. And then this insane thing happens that literally never comes up again in the movie, which is Sam just finds a car wreck on the side of the road and there's a dead body in the car. And, like, he just walks over to it and sees the dead body in the car and then just, like, looks kind of sad. Now, the wild thing here is that I think what this film is trying to set up is that, like, A, Michael did this. B, yeah. Loomis in some ways knows it's Michael. And C, yeah. gives us some background for how Michael ended up in his clothing. Like, he's sort of wearing, like, a me- mechanics get-up or yeah. whatever. And, yeah. like, as we, like, zoom out of here, we see another body that's just been, like, left naked around the side, essentially. Like, that's that's been stabbed. Yeah. But, but it's a really strange moment. To have stopped, yeah, right here, yeah, where this car is. Well, it's like- almost like the film is setting up Sam Loomis as this brilliant, almost like detective. Like he understands Michael and such. A, it's like almost like a Hannibal Lecter type thing, except yeah, for the yeah. fact that he's so he's impotent. Like, Loomis is so impotent and just, like, spends the whole film being like, hey, won't someone believe me? Oh, jeez. He's just and, like, lurking. He yeah. does a lot of lurking. And no, I-, I would say this, actually. I wouldn't say he's impotent. I would say he is restrained. Because yes. he has options that he chooses not to yes. employ at yes. various points throughout the movie. Like, he has, like, different tools he could use to get Michael. Yeah. And he just, like, he's just determined to, like, do it himself. He's like, it's like this arch nemesis thing where he's like, I gotta bring him in. Well, Me, like, surely, surely there's gonna be, like, <laughs> surely, like, from the, um from the hospital where Michael escaped from, surely there's, like, local police officers checking that out that can then call Haddonfield and be like, it's not just this crazy dude, we're also cop. Like, there are so many things that could have been done. Yeah, he just won't, like, but I'm pretty sure, like, when he's talking to the people at the hospital before this scene, which I guess we just kind of skipped, where, where, that's where they talk about how someone must have given him driving lessons. Like, he... <laughs> he, he like, they literally mention this, like, someone must have given him driving lessons. And then, like... The guy's like, should we put out an APB, like an all-points bulletin and some roadblocks? And Loomis is just like, no. <laughs> and just leaves. 
leaves. Like, he doesn't want them to help him. He, like, then he calls the cops and, like, he finds these dead bodies in the car and he's just like, hmm. And then that's literally it. Like, we ne- it's never addressed again. But now we're back with the girls in Haddonfield. And when I say back with the girls, we're meeting the rest of the girls. Mm-hmm. We got Laurie and Linda and Annie, her two friends. Uh, they're walking Three gals just living it up in the late 70s. Just having a great time. Late 70s gals in suburban Illinois. Just really, you know, talking about boys, talking about school, talking about fashion. Just gabbing away. Now, got another good for you here. The scene that shows Laurie, Annie, and Linda walking home from school starts with them walking from a school with outside lockers, but Jackson, schools with inclement weather, such as Illinois, do not have outside lockers. (laughs) So you know what? It's impossible that this movie took place in Illinois because no school in Illinois would be foolish enough to have outside lockers. Oh my god, dude. I do have to say, I want to play a quick Where Are They Now with these three girls, these three actresses, for a couple of reasons. Obviously, one of them is Jamie Lee Curtis. I want to know who the other ones are and who of the two of them has had more of a career. I also want to know how old they are because they look like adult women to me they really and I guess do. they're supposed to be high schoolers like they look like they're in their 20s like I thought the first time we saw Laurie walking around with Tommy I thought she was supposed to be Tommy's mom <laughs> <laughs> so let's 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 take a quick look shall we okay we got we at obviously Jamie Lee Curtis plays Laurie obviously Nancy Kyes uh plays Annie but at the time she was dude Oh my yeah, god. Yeah, dude. Yeah, dude. She was accredited in the film as Nancy Loomis. Whoa. As in, like, wow, that's kind of crazy. And then PJ Souls plays Linda. So let's have a quick look at these ladies. Okay, so born. Okay, yep. Yeah, so so Nancy Kyes was 29 years old when this movie came out. Cool, cool, cool. So definitely I'm justified in my belief. Uh, PJ Souls, who plays Linda, was 28 years old. And Jamie Lee Curtis was... Oh, she was the youngest. Jamie Lee Curtis was 20. Right, okay. Wait, whoa. Hang on. Jamie Lee Curtis was 20 years old. The other two actresses were 28 and 29. (laughs) Fucking Carpenter. Carpenter is just like, you're all high school girls. (laughs) And you're all the same age. <laughs> oh Jesus! Okay, so Jamie Lee Curtis, True Lies, Fish Called Wanda, Freaky Friday, various movies that she's well known for. Mm-hmm. PJ Souls, dude, um, who played Linda, totally in Carrie, the Stephen King film oh. Carrie. Before this, she'd already done Carrie by this point. She played Norma, uh, Nancy Keys, dude. Season of the okay, so she's been in, in a lot of the Halloween movies. Uh, wow, okay, yeah, wow, okay, that's interesting, right? Because her character definitely does do a dying in this movie, spoiler, spoiler, and she's in, the actress is in the later Halloween movies. She's in Halloween 2, as Annie, and she's in Halloween 3, as a different character. (laughs) Well, listen, like, you you gotta pay it back to the franchise you're in. You know what I mean? But, dude, these movies came out... So, this is 1978. She's in Halloween as as Annie. Then, in 1981, three years later, she's in Halloween 2 as Annie. So, I'm assuming that might be a flashback thing, but not sure. Dude, get this. 1982. One year after Halloween 2. She's in Halloween 3, Season of the Witch... 
as Linda Chalice. She comes, <laughs> like, it's, it's not like they do in, like, the, the, the franchises that span decades, where, like, 30 years later, when they're doing, the, like, the third reboot, like, in Friday the 13th or whatever, they bring back some of the actors from the original as, like, the parents or the old people. This is one year after <laughs> the last Halloween movie that she was in. She's in Halloween 3 as a different character. That is so strange. <laughs> dude, do dude. You- I sorry, I just had to let you know that I'm not sure if you're aware, but at the, at the time of filming this movie, or like in 1978, like PJ Souls was married to Dennis Quaid. <laughs> <laughs> at the time of filming, I mean, she Souls? got married in 1978, so like probably. Oh wow, she totally is married to Dennis Quaid. Oh, good for her. Yeah. They're no longer. Look, it ended in 1983, so, you know, what are you going to do about that? Yeah, say lovey, say the old folks. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Okay, yeah, so they're walking around, and we we quickly see that Annie is kind of like the loud mouth, like, she's, you know, up for getting into trouble and having antics. Like, she's definitely the most, like, out there and outgoing of them. And, like, the spooky car drives by, like, the state vehicle that Michael stole. Like, we know this, of course, these people don't know it yet. And they're all kind of, like, spooked by the car. But then Annie, being Annie, just, like, yells something at them, like, hey, speed kills, you know? And, like, the car just, like, immediately stops in the road. Then he just drives away again. Yeah. Like, he just, like, he stops and he's like, why are you one of those fucking teens? And then just drives off again now i will say this this movie has to start moving faster like i'm enjoying it so far but like literally all we have seen so far is five random people have strained interactions with a distant man in a spooky car (laughs) i mean that's that's most films today dude to be honest (laughs) i actually want to throw an mvp uh to laurie here because like as they're talking about what they're gonna do tonight and like linda's like oh i'm gonna have sex with this guy and he's like I'm, I'm just gonna like because they're, they're all babysitters essentially um, it's the babysitters club yeah 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 um, but they're, they're talking about all this sort of stuff and then like Laurie's just kind of like oh shit I forgot my chemistry book and is genuinely really bummed about it and I think you know like for having a continued commitment to studying and like bettering herself and just trying education, to be yeah you know? education that sort of thing I think that's a really empowering message knowledge is power kids keep yeah. that in mind so um, I, I, I threw an MVP for that so yeah the girls are all playing silly bogus tonight and not doing their jobs that's what we quickly learn mm-hmm. like Linda's like so Annie shall I come over to the house that you're babysitting at with Bob and Laurie's like I'm babysitting and doing my homework and then they break and agree to meet up later yeah, I guess break. is what happens and loudmouth Annie and Laurie keep walking around and Annie's like digging into her book bag and like not looking at the road ahead of them and Laurie sees this incredibly brazen spooky man just standing in the middle of the sidewalk staring at them in broad daylight he's so brazen and she's like whoa 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 whoa, whoa. and like by the time she looked back over to where she just saw him like he's disappeared and she assumes he's gone like behind the hedge and she tells Annie and Annie's got fucking balls of steel yeah, because dude. Annie's like what no fuck that and just walks over to the hedge and looks around and it's like this nobody here. Annie goes into her house and then Laurie bumps into her dad who is Sheriff Brackett as she's taking her solo spooky walk the last stretch of the way home. She bumps into Sheriff Brackett and she's like sorry Mr. Brackett and he's like don't worry about it and Everyone gets like it's like everyone's it's like one spook a year or something like that or like one spook on this. Everyone gets like a, a good spook on this. He says something like oh, bullshit that's right. about He's that. He's like, but... it's Halloween. Everyone deserves a good spook. Yeah. He's like, 
Yeah. So she's walking the rest of the way home and she hears like some what sound kind of like screams and she's like, huh? And she like gets mildly spooked and then goes to investigate and realizes it's just some neighbor kids trick or treating and they're not screaming, they're laughing because they're at the house next door having a good time getting candy. And then Jamie Lee Curtis delivers this stilted one liner to herself. She just like sees the kids and then goes, huh, kiddo. I thought you outgrew superstition, which is a recurring element of yeah. the movie. Yeah. Like where she just like like sees something and just goes like, huh, and then just like delivers a one-liner. It's so weird. She's up in her room. She sees Michael Myers again, like down by the clothes line. Like he's like, the music sting Like <laughs> I, at this point, like at this point, will you agree with me? Like I'm going to stop listing every individual time there is a shot where someone's walking around and then we just see Michael Myers. Oh yeah, I, th- I think at this point it'll just take too like, long. <laughs> it is literally like we're probably like 20 minutes into the movie. Between now and like 46 minutes into the movie, like pretty mu- like that is literally all that happens. Like we're going to explain what all the characters are doing, but at any given point, you should just assume that Mike Myers is somewhere in the background. <laughs> Because he pretty much constantly is. It's like two people are talking on the phone. One of them hangs up the phone, and then like out their window, and he's just standing. There. <laughs> like someone's walking down the street, and then like we like see like through some bushes across the road, like behind his car, like it's Mike Myers watching them. Like it's it's constant for the next twenty six minutes. They are edging us with yeah. this problem. Yeah, they really are. Annie pranks Laurie with, with the phone. Like she calls up and then doesn't speak, and then like she calls back, or like. Uh, yeah, she calls back and is like, "Ah, it was me on the phone. Ha 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 ha. Let's go." Gotcha. And like they they jump they jump in Annie's car and like they share a cheeky yeah, little dude. J. Before before they do jump in Annie's car, <laughs> Laurie lies down on her bed in the strangest possible way. <laughs> she's like she's like drapes herself across the foot of the bed like ultra dramatically. But then yeah, Annie's not fucking about. She's a harsh taskmaster. Like she is always on Laurie's shit. Like she's like, come oh, on, yeah. get going, yeah, can we get in the car? We need to get, get high like, like right this second. <laughs> and like Laurie's yeah, like, oh, like, alright. Get it. They get in the car, Annie's got that dank. Like, Annie's a fucking cool customer, man. Like, yeah, dude. Chick. She's she's not fucking about. She's got balls of steel, and she likes to chill. So good for her. <laughs> and all of a sudden, we're at a graveyard now, and yep. Loomis is talking to this strange, uh, like, like, graveyard gravekeeper. gravekeeper who's just like talking about, ah, oh, you never know what you're gonna. You get find out about some people that that murder people, and like just telling these gruesome stories. And Loomis is like, please, I have too much of my mind. It, it is like completely pointless. Yeah. Like it 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 is completely, completely ridiculous the, the, the conversation that they're having here. Yeah, which is like and then stopped when they get to the grave of Judith Myers, who was killed by Michael, and uh the tombstone is gone, and it seems like the body has been exhumed. Now, two two things. Two things about this scene. That is a shockingly small grave for a human being. <laughs> like, like, did you see, like, did you see the size of the grave? It is so small. You could not fit a human body in there. Go look at the scene. And two, he just assumes it's kids. Like, he just assumes it's children. The yeah, ah, uh, damn like, oh, kids. Digging up bodies again. Kids. Playing with those bones. They love those bones. Oh, Dude, he's Jesus. literally like, oh, those rowdy teens doing grave robbing. It's <laughs> <laughs> not a thing. Oh. And like, but Loomis knows. Loomis knows better. By the way, like, we haven't touched on this yet. Loomis is an incredibly dramatic man. Oh, he's like, very every- dramatic. Donald Pleasant is rocking some interesting facial hair for this role as well. 
And everything he does is like, oh, well, no, Michael's escaped again. Oh, what re- what havoc will he wreak in this small suburban town? <laughs> <laughs> He's just like monologuing about it at every opportunity. Uh, now, now we're back with Annie and Laurie, and Annie's playing Blue Oyster Cult in her car, man. I dig this chick. Hell yeah, dude. She's fucking chill. Annie's she's very telling, cool. She's telling Laurie to chill out, and then they're driving around town. I guess literally just driving around getting high, because why not? Uh, you know, don't, don't do that. It's bad. Don't, don't. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I guess when your dad's the sheriff, right? Like, she's probably just kind of like, ah, like, I, I, th- there are no consequences for me. <laughs> this is where we learn that her dad's the sheriff. Because they're driving around, and then, like, they see, like, a fucking bunch of police cars pulled up in front of this hardware store, and they pull over, and she's like, oh shit, it's my dad. Play cool, play cool, play cool. Like, her dad, the sheriff, can't smell the weed that is gonna be. <laughs> reeking out of yeah. the car and like they pull up and talk to her dad for a couple of minutes and he's a cop he's the sheriff of town he's investigating a robbery in a hardware store he's like nah I don't think it's anything too serious just kids and then he proceeds to list quite possibly the most suspicious imaginable like series of items that could yeah. be stolen he's like oh it's just some masks rope and knives <laughs> insane he's like oh it must have just been teens you know teens that's what i mean it's like that's like yeah 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 it's like that's murder supplies and it's like those teens must be up to something i don't know yeah just having a good time on halloween you know how it is uh now dr sam loomis has finally arrived in town he meets up with sheriff brackett and he's like sheriff brackett you don't understand a terror the, the likes of which your small town has never seen will descend upon you this very eve <laughs> and uh that, that that's it they agree to go look look into it further uh so annie and laurie are having ineffectual chat about boys and now it's nighttime, and there are kids trick-or-treating and that's that's it they're hanging out in, in they go to their different houses right like laurie goes to the house she's babysitting and annie goes to the house she's babysitting in and and, and, and now it's trick-or-treat night yeah that's what they call it right that's what that's what it's called trick or yeah trick-or-treat night that's that's what they always say um, we yeah. then get, uh, we then cut from here to Loomis, I guess, being more on his shit. He's gone with, like, the sheriff, uh, to check out the Myers house. Um, they, they roll in. Exposition time, where he's like, I have been, I've been treating Mike Myers for 15 years. He killed his mother, and I've never been able to fix him. He's a psychopath. Anyway. Yeah, basically just kind of like, he has the devil's eyes, and you look into them, and you're like, oh no. And then you see him there, and he stares at a wall, but he's looking through the wall, looking past the wall, into the future, into this night. And I gotta say, like, Loomis is doing a hell, like, I mean, I say Loomis. High drama, dude. Oh, yeah. Pleasance is, like, bringing some gravitas to this role. It is really, it's, you know, really chewing through the scenery with this this performance. He hasn't actually said Michael Myers. Nobody has said Michael Myers. Although I guess it's implied. Like, at this point, but, like, no one ever actually says it at any point in the film. I mean, in in the film, like, in the casting for the film, he's listed as The Shape. (laughs) (laughs) I did not know that. Yeah, dude. Yeah. Um, okay. And two, we are literally halfway into the movie at this point and nothing has happened. Like, yeah, there's there's been one murder and it was the first scene. Like, and 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 since then it's literally just been like Michael in the distance haunting this movie from a distance. 
Anyway, uh, as you said, he refers to him as having the devil's eyes, which is a nice fun title pitch. Just, just the devil's eyes. Yeah. And now we're back to Lori babysitting. And she's hanging out with Tommy, and Tommy's like, read me my comic books. I don't want to read this baby book you're yeah. reading me. I don't these and, dumb uh, baby books. I want my cool teen comic books. Neutron yeah. Man, and like, Crocodile Dude, Man. Laser Man. Laser Man. I, I, I wrote it down. I wrote it down. This is it. Laser Man, Neutron Man, Tarantula Man. <laughs> Tarantula Man is so funny for some reason. I don't know why, yeah. but it's just so funny. say Spider-Man. <laughs> <laughs> they couldn't get the rights to Spider-Man. So they have Tarantula Man. Okay, so Annie calls Laurie and is like, Hey, guess what? I found you a date to homecoming. It's Ben Tramer. He wants to take you. This whole discussion about getting Laurie a date for homecoming has been way too big of a plot point for the fact that this movie is not about homecoming. Like, this movie all takes place on Halloween night. It's so (laughs) strange. Like, whilst this phone call is happening, Tommy looks out the window and he sees Mike Myers. All right? He sees him in the distance. That's it. Now Annie's back in the kitchen. She's cooking dinner. She gets- she's making up popcorn for uh, like the right. the spook night the kid that she's little- babysitting. Yeah, Lindsay, who's Lindsay? Who, who is a real stick in the mud. Let me tell you. Um, <laughs> but like a- Annie's making up this popcorn, spills a little bit of butter on herself, and it's like, oh beans, and like immediately fully undresses. Like imme- immediately is like, I got I gotta strip down. Yeah, I got the tiniest bit of butter on me. I gotta get naked. So she does, and she's the, being the watched f- by Mike y- Myers. The family dog, who has been, like, barking like crazy, which is always a classic... Uh, probably this is where the trope is sort of comes from, right? But, like, you're, you're in a house, there's something spooky happening, and, all, like, the, the animals know. You know what I mean? Like, I'm pretty sure I walked into a scene of Venom, like, at work yesterday, and, like, it's after he's been infected by the um, the symbiote or whatever, and he's, like, walking around, and this old lady's dog is just, like, barking hysterically at him. And so I think this is, like, a nice... You know, in terms of remakeability... The dogs know the truth, um, which is a, which is a conspiracy angle that I haven't seen played out yet. But I would be intrigued. Oh, um, I really like the dogs know the truth as a concept. Yeah, uh, yeah. So while Laurie's getting naked and being watched by the figure who is Michael Myers, mm-hmm. uh, the dog gets strangled, and we yeah. hear it just sort of slowly like spin down, if you will, because it's spooking Michael Myers, and he's like, "Hey, shut up, dog!" and he and he kills it. Spook rating C as we watch the dog slowly go limp in his arms. What's yeah. kind of sad. Yeah. But you know what is really sad, Benjamin? What? Taglines! We're doing taglines oh, now. Oh, I what? Bet the taglines for this movie are really sad. Yeah, they're really very sad. Um, Alright, so, uh, you know how it works. Three movies, uh, three taglines, one, f- one from each. Um, one of them is this film, right. two of them are not. Oh, there are so many horror movies that take place on or around Halloween, so this is going to be interesting. Yeah, it is. And now, Benjamin, uh, and like, to be fair, you've had, you've had a bit of success. Um, recently, I have. Re- yes. rec- recently, you have. I'm getting better at it. I'm getting better at it. Um, this isn't me, like, getting frustrated and then kicking over the game board and being like, <laughs> well, well, fuck you then. You'll never win. <laughs> But okay, are you about to give me an impossible challenge? <laughs> I'm here for it. All right, bring, Look, it on, yeah. bring it on. Bring okay. it on. Okay. <laughs> okay. Number one. Happy Halloween. <laughs> okay. Fuck you. <laughs> Number two. Scarier than The Exorcist. 
Okay. Okay. <laughs> so fun. No possible way to distinguish. <laughs> well, it doesn't get much better, Benjamin, because number three, a masterpiece of modern horror. Okay, 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 okay. Now, there is so, actually okay. a way through this, but I'll... Yes, I'll, okay, here, here is my way through it. A- any of them could be taglines for this movie, like, no question. Like, they, <laughs> they, they just could be, they're, they're generic enough about horror. They could also be taglines for any horror movie... Pretty much. Like, a, a lot a lot of different horror movies could be described by those. I'm pretty confident in saying the second one isn't The Exorcist, because that would be pretty weird. <laughs> the tagline for The Exorcist was scarier than The Exorcist. <laughs> it, it'd be kind of strange. Like, it's, like, it's a very sort of, like, cyclical thing. Like, you're sitting in there, yeah. you're like, this movie's scarier than this movie is. <laughs> this movie's scarier than itself. Yeah. So I'm pretty sure tagline number two is not from The Exorcist, so that's where I'm at. Here is why it's number one, Jackson. Here is why it's Happy Halloween. Let me tell you. Let me tell you. Because if it is not, I am going to be more disappointed in the producers of a movie than I have ever been in my life. Because, like, you're going to sit down and write taglines for this horror movie. Like, you can come up with, like, thousands of them. But the very first one that you're going to think of is Happy Halloween. Like, that just has to be the first thing on your mind. What's the movie called? Halloween. Okay, what's the tagline? Happy Halloween. Like, it's right there. So whilst I believe Happy Halloween could also be the tagline for fucking two dozen movies, if it isn't a tagline for this movie, that is fucking insane. Well, Benjamin, yeah, you're correct. Happy Halloween is a tagline for this movie. What are the rest of them, Jackson? I have to know. I have to know what the rest of them are. Now, this is uh, one of the reasons why I veered away from a more uh, balanced approach, I guess. Just because it... I'm just going to read them out. Uh, Obviously, one of the ten taglines has already been spoken about. Oh Um, my god, there are ten. dip into the other nine. And it also actually, I think, sets up the theme for these taglines as well. Number one. The trick was to stay alive. (laughs) (laughs) So stupid. Uh, Okay. The night he came home. (laughs) Okay. That is not anything. That is not anything. What about this, Ben? Who came home? He's come back. And then this one... And, That's the tagline for the sequel! <laughs> he's come back! You can't call... Like, you can't make... He's come back! The tagline for the first movie in a franchise! Now, Benjamin, this one is stylized, and I will be following the stylization as written. The night he came home! <laughs> what? So it's the same as the last one, just with the capitalization? Yep, yep, yep. Oh, but don't Jesus. worry, Benjamin, because this one... <laughs> he came home for Halloween... Oh my god, is Halloween capitalized? Yeah, it is. Oh man, that... Now this one I actually quite like. Sorry, he came home for Halloween is not a thing. It's not like coming home for Christmas. That's what I mean. Like that fucking concept from from culture. Just being like, oh, you know, I I gotta get home for Halloween. (laughs) (laughs) It's my favourite night of the year! Um, Everyone is entitled to one good scare. Okay, that's pretty good, actually. It's pretty good. I I think it does... 
It's concerning for the movie, though, in a way, because it's being like, "Don't worry, you, you get your ticket, and you'll be entitled to one good Everyone scare." Gets one the rest good of scare. the rest of them are like middling to mediocre at best, but there's one really yeah. good scare in there. You get one good one. Now, Benjamin, this one sort of hurts. Trick or treat. Dot dot dot. Or die. Oh my god! That, <laughs> you're <laughs> fucking with me. That is not one of them. <laughs> which as a, which as a third option to be like, well, you, let, me, let me tell you, you can take a trick. You can take a treat, or you can die. Or you can die. <laughs> that like that, that is like that is what you would do if you were coming up with a parody of like a, a horror movie set on Halloween, oh, like yeah. based on this franchise. I cannot believe that that is an actual thing. Okay, go on. The last uh, original one is just let's celebrate the horror, which is just a strange thing to put on a film. Yeah, not something. You- not something you'd celebrate. Let's go back to Tommy and Laurie hanging out, watching The Thing. Mm-hmm. Uh, but Tommy is spooked by Richie, the boy from school, and his shit heel friends, because he's a big idiot. And he's like, the boogeyman's gonna get me, isn't he? Isn't the boogeyman coming? And Laurie's like, don't be a dumbo, there's no boogeyman, and I'll kill him if he does come. Now, Annie's in the... <laughs> L- L- Laurie's... Re- she's really confident as well. Like, yeah, like, she's, she's like, really very certain that she'll murder anyone that comes in the house tonight. And then, now we're back with Annie, who is in the laundry... House, like the laundromat, is like outside the house. It's like a little outhouse for laundry. Yeah. So she she walks like through the backyard into the little laundry house, and like Mike Myers is there. He's like watching her through the window. And at this point, you're like, okay, we're about fifty minutes into this ninety minute movie. Like, there's gonna be a killing here, like for sure. Like she's going out. She's isolated. She's half naked. That is the number one giveaway for these movies. She's like doing her clothes in the laundry room. She gets locked in the laundry room somehow, like by herself. She's just like trapped there. And I'm like, all right, this is going to be good. Like there's going to be a murder here. It's going to happen. The murder does not happen for like another 10 minutes of screen time. Yes. Like it is literally like she's locked in the laundry room and like she's caught, like the phone starts ringing in the house. She can hear it. And she's like, oh, that must be Paul. Who I guess is her boyfriend. She cares so much about Paul all of a sudden, even though I don't think he's been mentioned up until now. And like, she's like, Lindsay, pick up the phone. That's Paul. That's Paul. Lindsay picks up the phone and it is indeed Paul. And he's like, go get Annie for me, will you? And Lindsay's like, okay. So she runs down to the laundry house opens it so Annie's no longer stuck in there and you're like oh she's gonna be dead like she's gonna walk in and find a dead body no Annie's just stuck trying to <laughs> climb out the window she got stuck in yeah. the window she's like hey Lindsay and pu- she's, like, pu- she's like pull my leg like so I can like get out of this and like she like very gently tugs at her leg and Annie's like oh thank god like and is able to like then pull herself through like it's and absurd crisis averted she gets out of the laundry room walks back into the house picks up the phone and calls Paul that whole laundry room dally literally was for no reason other than to just like continue building this edging of suspense <laughs> so and, so Annie, Annie walks over and drops off Lindsay with Tommy and Laurie basically being like I'm gonna go fuck Linda's gonna come over yeah. she's gonna fuck so look after the kids because we're all gonna yeah, yeah. go fuck she's like I'm gonna go get Paul he's gonna come back to Lindsay's house and fuck me so we're gonna do that I gotta say dude I like this chick's thinking she's smooth she's a cool customer she knows how to get what she wants so yeah. she gets an MVP from me um, MVP so for Annie for me here a- a- Annie then goes to head out she's gonna drive over to, to Paul she goes there um, tries the car and then is like oh obviously like the car keys like the car's locked 
Um, so she then like goes back inside, finds the car keys, comes back out. Dude, this movie is becoming a parody of itself because there are now like five continuous minutes of shots of Annie just walking around whistling to herself, just like whistling a tune. Yeah, she's like, like singing a love song for Paul. She grabs the keys, comes back, uh, opens the car door without unlocking it. Which I was like, I'm actually very into that as like a clever little like like nod thing, and that like oh she, wow because that she is clever yeah like she because like and basically surprise surprise Michael's in the car so she tries to open it before he's in it he's locked from the inside he opens it she comes back doesn't even like and because you wouldn't you just like. Like, it'd be so easy to just, like, forget about it, open the car door. It's like, oh, it's open, get in. And then he just, like, strangles her to death. Um, In, like, what is a long strangulation scene as well. Yeah, and Annie keeps fighting it, to her credit. Like, she's trying to blow the horn on the car, like, to raise attention for the fact that she's being strangled to death in the car. So, like, good for her for, like, fight fighting it out. But she does get straight up killed. Now, for this spook, I gotta give it a D for yeah. how long it took to get here. Like, I applaud yeah. the effort at trying to build the tension, but it's just too long. It just takes too long. But B for the actual kill. The strangling and like her trying to blow the horn actually kind of scary, which was, it is, which was it, nice. and it does also, also, also the thing. It's important because it sets up that in this town on Halloween, doesn't matter how much noise you make, no one will possibly help you. <laughs> like yeah, that, that's this... why the most famous tagline for this movie was "In Halloween, no one can hear you scream." <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> Love it, Benjamin. Um, Oh, the other thing that was scary about the scene is, like, she's whistling, she's singing a song for Paul, she gets in the car, and she just hears the whistle that she's been making, like, she doesn't make the whistle, she just, like, hears it, she's like, what? Did someone just whistle my tune? But it is Mike, and then he kills her. So that was cool, I actually quite like that. Yeah. Mike has a real, like, sense of theatre. Like, he, oh, he really he, does. he's like, very theatrical. Like you, 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 we'll you can just, that. Yeah, 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 we will. Now Laurie's hanging out with both Tommy and Lindsay, right? Because Annie left Lindsay with her so to go get Paul. Who we never actually meet, by the way. I don't think no. Paul's in the movie. Paul's just like this figure on the phone. Um, so Tommy plays a prank on Lindsay, albeit a poor one, because <laughs> he's he, like literally they're watching a scary movie and he gets up and in full view of Lindsay, walks over and tucks himself in behind a curtain and is like, hey, Lindsay, I'm going to get you. And she's like, oh, where are you? And like, gets all spooked and um but while he's like standing behind the curtain he happens to look out the window and see mike myers carrying annie's dead body out of the garage where he strangled her back into the house and he's like ah ah and then of course by the time Lindsay and laurie get over to the window he's long gone and laurie doesn't believe him and he's like no no although i I just have to go back to watching my stories yeah which is just wild because like Tommy has spent a lot of the movie being like, hey, there's actually a masked man following us around. And everyone keeps being like, oh, Tommy. Oh, Tommy. But like, Oh, yeah, um, by the way, we haven't addressed what Mike Myers looks like. I think we've just assumed everyone knows. True. Like, Mike Myers is wearing, like, a blue mechanics jumpsuit, like a formless jumpsuit. And he's also wearing, like, this creepy white mask. It's a, it, it is developed from a William famously, Shatner mask. Famously, it's an inside-out William Shatner mask. Yeah. Which is, which is it, kind is, of it awesome. is spooky, yeah. <laughs> it's like kind of awesome. Uh, it's like a, a realistic face mask where they're trying to turn inside out. So there you go. Um, all right, this next scene is fucking crazy. So, like, Sam Loomis, I guess, has decided, like, the best thing he can do. Because at one point, also, like, we, we, we glossed over a scene where, like, the sheriff comes to Sam Loomis and is like, all right, do you want me to, like, so you're pretty sure Michael Myers is in town here? Like, he dug up his mum's grave or whatever. Let me 
put out an APB, let me get all my men searching all the houses to try and find him. And for reasons that make no fucking sense, he's like, no, you you can't do that. Yeah. I won't let you. His, his thing is like, then they'll be looking for him in every house. And it's like, well, yeah, that, that would be a good exactly thing. That's exactly what you'd want. Like, that's rather exactly than just being the point. two of you looking in every house, like... Yep. Yep, wild that, that seems pretty fucking sensible but no he's decided that like he's gonna take this into his own hands so he's literally just like lurking in the bushes in front of the old Myers place this scene was so fucking funny like these two little kids are like out trick-or-treating like you know raising a ruckus like they do and they walk up to the old Myers house and they're like they look like they're about to go inside and like try you know one of them's like dare you to go in and like they're all scared of it because it's the spook house and one of them like walks over the door he's like I'm not scared and Lou is like in the bushes just like puts his hand around his mouth and is like hey kid stay the fuck away from there he, he says, what he get says get your ass away from there yeah he's like he's like, he's like hey, hey Lonnie get your ass away from there and it's like what the fuck Dr. Loomis like he just spooks some kids like why wouldn't he just go out there and be like sorry um you shouldn't go in there like trust me I'm a doctor like he literally like he just like <laughs> trust takes me, it upon himself to he didn't want himself to, like, scare the children away from the house. It's so fucking silly. Uh, then he meets up with the sheriff again. They have that whole thing about the APB happening uh, or not happening. And the sheriff accuses Sam Loomis, to be fair. He's like, huh, well, I don't think you're telling the truth. But if you are telling the truth, then damn you for letting him go. Like, Loomis didn't let him go. Like, he's, <laughs> n- he's not responsible for security at the psychiatric hospital. Like, he's a psychiatrist. Like, it's just absolutely not his job. Like, I wanted to defend Loomis here. Yeah, um, you, I mean, I feel like now you really Linda- are. You're, I mean, you're a defender of all things Donald Pleasance, and if that isn't the basis of our friendship, I don't know what is. It's true. Now, we're back with Bob and Linda, who we haven't seen in a while. Uh, They've pulled up at Annie's house because they'd made plans. They'd been planning this for weeks to go hang out at Annie's house while she's babysitting. And I guess go have sex with each other. And they're like, alright, here's the plan. We go in. Annie will distract Lindsay. And then... You and I'll go upstairs and smush each other's pieces together. And he, like Bob's having a joke, and he's like, Hahaha. "Yeah, so first you rip off my clothes, then I'll rip off your clothes, then we rip off Lindsay's clothes." Yeah, look, it's not a great move Lin- from Bob. This is like, whoa, LVP, a hundred percent, no question about it. What a fucked up thing to say like that is just not okay yeah. and i will say to imdb community's credit this was listed as a goof in the movie <laughs> and like this must have been an error because there is no way that is okay yeah that is wild hey so linda and bob go inside the house and they're looking for annie because i guess like they expect her to be there and this Bob guy, like, as soon as they realize that, like, Annie's nowhere to be found, he has no common decency. Like, he doesn't even finish doing a sweep of the house. He's like, all right, we're fucking on the couch. <laughs> and they just start, like, smushing on the couch. And, like, it's just like, come on, man, have a little respect. You double down on that LVP there, you fucking creepy fucko. <laughs> like, the two ratty teens, like, they then uh, move from the couch, they move upstairs. 
Um, okay, yeah, Andrew, I, I wanted to point this out. No, 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 no. Like, we can't blow through this because I wanted to, to to just explain how stupid this is. So you see the scene where they're hanging out on the couch. Then they call Laurie because, like, they know Laurie's also babysitting. And they're like, hey, have you seen Annie tonight? And Laurie's like, oh, Annie went off to get Paul. And Bob and Linda are like, huh, okay, I guess uh, she's not coming home for the rest of the night then. So now we could go upstairs and fuck in the bed. And I'm like, why did there have to be two stages to this? Like, why did they make the movie this way? Why couldn't it be they just come here, find no one in the house, and go upstairs and have sex? Like, why did they have to come in, have sex, make a phone call, be like, oh, I guess she's not coming back, let's go have sex? Like, what a yeah. waste of a screen. Time. Yeah, no, yeah totally. that is literally what happens. They go um, upstairs, have sex again, light some cigarettes. Do have to say, this chick Linda is not smoking. So why include it? It just looks so goofy. Like, I get the, the actress might not want to smoke. That's completely fine. Don't have her hold a cigarette, light it, and then, like, mime smoking a cigarette on camera. It looks so bad. <laughs> We get some, like, sort of, like, conversation there where, like, uh, she's, like, she's sort of like, do you want a beer? And he's like, yeah. And she's like, do you only say yeah? And he's like, yeah. And then she's like, well, go on, get me a beer then. And he's like, I thought you were. And she's like, go on. And, like, kicks him out. So Bob goes downstairs to, like, grab some beers. And then as he's down there, it's all a bit spooky. Like, the back door's open. He's just kind of like, oh, fuck off, who's here? And, like, very brazenly going around, like, being like, oh, I'm, I'm not scared of you punks. Like, it's Halloween. I, nothing could scare me on Halloween. He opens, like, this, like th- the third door he tries, and, like, Michael immediately pushes out, starts strangling him, lifts him up with, like, superhuman strength, and then just pierces, his, pierces him to the wall with this, like, gigantic dude, knife, and just leaves him there. This is, a, this is a definite A, because, dude, jump scare. Like, this yeah. is one of the first jump scares. And you got to say, dude, like, you, you have to give it to them. This is more like a prize, like... Highly remakeable. Like, yeah. Highly remakeable, so much so that it has, like, been passed off as all you need to make a horror movie for decades. Yeah. Shitty horror movies have been built around the principle of, like, we don't have any plot, we don't have any build-up, it's just jump scares. But, like, this was, like, a real, genuine jump scare. Like, he's down in there, and he opens the door, and it's like, BAM! Like, Mike Myers is there, and he pins him to the wall. Definite A spook factor, definite remakeability point on the jump scares. Gotta give it to him. 100% for sure. Now, at this point, at this point, I will say, like, I was actually planning two games for this movie. I was planning, like, spook ratings and also gore ratings, but there has just been none like no gore whatsoever like i i hadn't actually seen this movie before so i wasn't actually sure how non-gory it was compared to slashes that come later but i guess that's like that is like a thing that developed with the genre well yeah i i think and like with like friday the 13th and that sort of thing now like well we want to do the exact same movie again but how do we make it better oh more naked women and more violence and gore and that's what's like, down on the gore. Yes. Yeah, pretty much. Michael Myers now plays some real silly buggers. Yeah. He does play a prank, is the thing. So, like, firstly, just gotta address it, because it's kind of one of the rules of the show. Pranks always remake. Always remake their pranks. We 100%. love pranks. But dude, he's got such a sense of humor. Like, he puts a sheet over his body, and he takes Bob's glasses and puts them on over the sheet, so it like looks like it's Bob kind of, even though that would be a fucking crazy thing for Bob to do. Like, he would surely just wear the glasses under the <laughs> sheet. Like, so it's like a ghost costume with like holes for eyes. Like, you would just wear the glasses underneath, right? No. 
he puts the glasses on over the top, so he's like a glasses ghost. Also, it is to be assumed, unless Michael needs those glasses, he cannot see very well. <laughs> glasses. So he goes up and like just stands in the doorway, like wearing these glasses. And Lindsay, Linda's like, uh, Bob, no, that's a fun costume. Where's my beer? And he's just standing there, and she's like, Oh, Bob, you're so silly. At which point she gets up after getting a little frustrated with him because he's just standing there and says, oh, Well, this is going nowhere, which I do agree with. It's a sentiment that reflects this movie yeah. pretty well. So mm-hmm, title pitch mm-hmm. for sure. Uh, just considering how long it's taken to get to here where people are actually getting killed. Because like literally, like what what we should explain, like it's it's literally like 50 minutes of nothing and then everything happens in like the last half hour. She gets up to make a phone call. She calls Laurie, I guess, just to be like, hi. I'm hanging out, me and Bob, isn't this cool? And then Michael sneaks up behind her and starts strangling her with the phone cord, like garroting her whilst yeah. she's on the phone to Laurie. And so Laurie's just hearing her like... <laughs> she No, she thinks it's Annie. Yeah, and she's like, oh, is this you, Annie? I heard your famous breathing, now I'm hearing a famous squealing. And like, it's like, she very clearly... It's very clear the sound like, of someone being strangled to death. Yeah, she's like... She's like, is this a joke? And then she says, I'll kill you if this is a joke. Which is really, Which like, is... timing, you know what I mean? Yeah, like, and also just, just a real overreaction. Like, just 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 a real, real overreaction. So, yeah, we, we listen to uh, Linda die. Laurie's like, oh, how weird. But I guess she, like, decides to go investigate because she's kind of spooked. So she goes and visits the kids. If you will allow me... It's been long enough that I really, really, really want to know where these kids are now, like what they're doing. So I'm just going to quickly pull them up. Okay, so Lindsay was played by what looks like it would be read as Kyle Richards, mm-hmm. K-Y-L-E, Richards, and Tommy is played by Brian Andrews. Oh, let's find out. Kyle Egan Richards. Uh, looks like this is her biggest role by the looks of things. She was in The Watcher in the Woods two years later. Um, she was on ER. She was in twenty-one episodes of ER. So, Hell yeah. her. man, it's like a lot of people end up having been on ER. Oh, okay. She was also in Little House on the Prairie. Oh, that's fun. episodes. Good, good for her. Yeah, right. she's had a bit of a career. She's oh, done some things. dude, 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 dude. She is a main cast member on the Real Housewives of Beverly Hills. No fucking way. Oh, so she's probably like well. very well known. Oh, I've I've no, I've seen like I've seen fucking like advertisements of her and shit like that. Like Kyle Richards. Wow. Yep. Okay. So she's famous. Um, she's famous as hell. Yep. Known for Little House on the Prairie and The Real Housewives of Beverly Hills. Those are some different things. Hey, in 2014, she was in The Hungover Games. Um, yeah, very good. Uh, Brian Andrews, who played the boy Tommy, uh, was in Days of Our Lives. So oh hell yeah, him. Tommy. Although, Yep, he definitely was in Days of Our Lives a little bit. He's still acting. Uh, 2015, he was in a movie called Sky Harbor. Uh, uh, 2014, he was in Lazarus Apocalypse. Ooh, that sounds uh, good. Yeah. Yeah, but I think... Man, that, that's wild that this girl ended up being fucking one of the real housewives. Hang on, like, hang on, hang on, hang crazy. on, hang on, hang on. Tom, Tommy, Thomas Doyle, the character, originally played by Brian Andrews and later by Paul Rudd in Halloween, The Curse of Michael Myers? <gasps> the Rudd? They got him! Oh, I'm so excited. I fucking love Paul Rudd. He's so likable. Halloween 6, The Curse of Michael Myers, is a 1995 slasher film 
um, stars Donald Pleasance in his final film appearance. Oh my god, dude, we have to watch that this movie. F- this film also features the first star, first starring role by Paul Rudd and Marianne Hagen. Wh- the sixth installment in the Halloween film series, it follows a young woman living with her family in Michael Myers' childhood home who finds herself stalked by Myers on Halloween. At her aid is Tommy Doyle, a returning character from the original Halloween film, and Dr. Sam Loomis. The plot of the film formally introduced the Curse of Thorn, a mystical symbol that first appeared in The Revenge of Michael Myers and revealed to be in the film to be the source of Michael Myers' immortality and drive to okay, kill. Okay, yeah, okay. So this is something that we, we have to address. Like, in <laughs> franchise, Michael Myers becomes this, like, supernatural, unkillable, monster right there is no explanation for that like in his origin story like he's just a dude who's like yeah unwell. it's and it's it's like, like a it's like a it is a, and it's a point of remakeability later on and we'll get to it but like with friday yeah. the 13th for example like you go through this movie being like spooky but not supernatural and then at the end it's yeah. like ah but actually very supernatural and it starts bringing in all these like demonic elements that are just like not just not foreshadowed at all. But we'll get there when we get there. Um, sorry, dude, I'm kind of distracted from this Paul Rudd thing by the fact that Kyle Richards from The Real Housewives is related to the Rothschild family. Oh my god. <laughs> I'm not fucking kidding you. Nicola Olivia Rothschild is her niece. Um, so, like... If you don't know what the Rothschilds are, you can check out my blog, um, <laughs> truth-newworldorder-rothschild.blogspot.com. <laughs> uh, okay, okay, back to the movie, back to the movie, back to the movie. So Sam Lunis is a fucking lunatic. Uh, he's literally still just standing in the bushes near the Myers house, and he literally only now just sees the car. Like, assumedly the car has been in the same place all night, because, like... Michael's just been hanging out on this one street where these few babysitting houses are. But Loomis looks over and is like, oh, there's the car. And he just walks over to the car and he's like, okay, here it is. So now Laurie's going outside. She's heading over to the the house Annie was babysitting at to go check on Bob or Linda or Annie. I guess she's just like, oh, what's... Why aren't any of them answering my calls? And guess what? They're all dead. (laughs) (laughs) Like, this is the thing that I want to briefly discuss. Probably the weirdest thing about this movie compared to, like, some of the movies that draw from it and come later... The main victims, like the main group of teens who are the victim of the slasher, have no interaction or discussion about the killer. Like, think Friday the 13th, think Nightmare on Elm Street. It's like a bunch of teens getting together, like, there's this guy, he's coming after us, we have to work together to stop him. Like, there is absolutely none of that. Yeah. And none of them even, like, see or interact with the killer at all until they're being murdered by him. And the whole story about the killer's backstory, with, like, Loomis and the cops, literally happens in a separate room. The characters do not meet until... Literally the final shot of the film. Like, we're approaching the end game. Loomis and the cop have not interacted about Michael Myers or at all with any of the teens. But well, and also like Loomis is presented that. as the hero of the film. Like I think like To an extent, yes. But like but as in like in terms of like the marketing and like that sort of thing, like it's his it, it's bizarre in that, like, like because the amount of screen time he gets comparative to um, Laurie, who has, like, most of it, it's just so bizarre to be, like, this figure that's, like, so passive and outside of what's happening to then just, just rock up at the end. It's really, really strange. Yeah, it's Lum- Loomis Ex Machina. Um, <laughs> and so, okay, now, all right, she goes into the house, she goes into the bedroom, and, dude, Mike Myers has 
fucking style. He's laid Annie out dead on the bed. Judith Myers' tombstone is at the head of the bed. He's hung Bob upside down in the wardrobe and stuffed Linda into another cupboard. And Laurie (laughs) just finds all this and freaks out. Like, dude, A-plus spookery for the sense of theatre... Also, a villain with a sense of theatre is highly remakeable. Oh, That's definitely. something Freddy Krueger has in space. Oh, dude, the Joker? Like, like, come on. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, this movie invented the Joker yeah. in 1978. Exactly. Okay, so the final spook chase begins because Laurie heads outside. She sees all the spooky shit. She freaks out from this A-plus spook. And, like, Mike Myers comes out and, like, slashes her with a knife, but, like, kind of misses her and just gets her shirt. And she, she flips down a pair of down the stairs. This is fucking so silly. Mike's chasing her. He's an absolute fucking unit. He's, like, punching through doors. And, like, yeah. at this point, like, we, we just addressed it. We've seen no evidence of him being this, like, invincible, unkillable, supernatural creature at this point. He's just a guy. But he is an absolute unit. Like, he just punches through walls and shit. Like, she flees the house. She gets back into the house that she's babysitting in. Yeah, she's banging on the door. She throws a pot plant up to, like, uh, wake up Tommy get and be like, like wake up, like, get, like, let me in. And, like, we're just watching Michael very purposefully, like, moving towards her. She gets in in the last second. She, like, gets him upstairs and, like, she's just, like, hiding, waiting, and, like, one so of the windows is open. What, what I want to know is, how did Tommy become so unconcerned all of a sudden? Like, yeah. he was so scared of the boogeyman, and now all of a sudden he's just like, what are you, what are you talking about what are you yeah right there's no man chasing you and then he just goes back to bed and she just like sits down in the living room by herself doesn't call the cops doesn't do anything she just like sits down in the living room mike myers somehow gets into the house and she just ices him with a knitting needle like she just fucking bang in the throat like one of her knitting needles so like fucking well done Lori. i I had an lvp here for loomis because he still hasn't figured anything out like he like this is like he's like still trying like, we're watching Michael, like, tearing into, like, like the final, like, uh, element of this fight. And it's only now that he's, like, sort of, like, like coming in and realizing what's going on. It's just absurd. We assume Mike Myers is dead. He's lying on the ground, just looking kind of dead. But, you know, he's probably yeah. not dead. And now, like, Loomis is back at it. Like, he's out there. He, he runs into Sheriff Brackett and he's like, there's the car. He's around somewhere. We gotta, we gotta find him. And, like, just starts, like, you know, looking for him still. Of course, Michael Myers is not dead. Uh, so fucking like she goes and gets the kids, and she's like, "Don't worry, guys, I killed him." And like as she's talking to the kids about the fact that she killed him, he's coming up the stairs behind, and they're like, "Look!" And she's like, "Ah!" And she like fucking locks the kids in their bedroom. And she runs into a different bedroom, and she like opens the door to the balcony, I guess, to make it look like she went off the balcony, and then like locks herself in the wardrobe. Gotta say. If she's using the hide strategy instead of the run strategy, why not do it in a lockable room, like the one she locked the kids in, like <laughs> where there's an actual lock on the door? Because what she does is gets in the wardrobe and ties like a like a tie, a necktie, around like the indoor handles so that the wardrobe can't be opened. It's very stupid. Um, also, running is by far the better strategy because he moves so slowly. <laughs> 
like, he's a persistence hunter. Like, if she just jumped out the window and ran down the street, she would be hundreds of meters away before he got anywhere, like, out of the house. He finds her, and he's, like, punching through the wardrobe. She reaches up, grabs a coat hanger, straightens it out. He's, like, breaking through, and then she just, like, stabs him in the eye with it. He drops his knife. She grabs his gigantic knife and just, like, stabs it up, like, into his neck, it looks like. And then he, like, dies again. Like, they are are very bad about showing any of the actual stab wounds, because I guess it's hard to to do. But, like, two things. Again, that eye poke, like... How funny was it when she's, like, terrified and she just, like, pulls a coat hanger down and like, yeah. what are you going to do with the coat No, hanger? hey, but she's a smart she's, girl. Like, power to her. Improvisational, for sure. She straightens it out and, like, yeah, stabs him in the eye with it. Like, what a fucking shot. Very silly and very bold. Maybe just keep stabbing him. She just, like, <laughs> thinks he's dead. And so she puts the knife down. We're not even going to go there. Why would you do it? Why would you put the knife down? Just so silly. Literally the exact same thing happens that happened three minutes ago. She goes and gets the kids and she's like, kids, he's okay. I killed him. Go call the police. Rather than going with them to call the police, she just sits there. She's just like, oh, I'm so glad I killed him. And now I'm just going to sit here with my back to him. And we see him like sit up out of focus in the background. This shot was actually spooky It was as very fuck. good. Like, A, yeah. A plus spook. Best spook in the movie. Like, he, he literally, like, he's out of focus. Like, we see her, like, having a breakdown and he just, like, sits up in the background and then just, like, stands up in this really creepy way and starts, like, walking over to her from behind, like, out of focus. And then he grabs her and they're, like, wrestling. Fucking, at this point, Loomis has finally arrived on the scene. He just, like, shows up, charges into the house <laughs> without saying anything to anyone. Literally, no, he's never met any of these characters before. He runs right upstairs and just shoots my life Just shoots him gun. like six times with this like large just caliber handgun and like knocks him off the balcony. I lost my shit laughing when this happened because it, it, it felt so such funny, a shock. Dude. It was, like, literally out of nowhere. It was, like, he hasn't had any interaction with Michael Myers all movie. It's literally, like, Mike Myers is wrestling with Laurie. He just charges into the house and shoots him six times. And he falls off the balcony. And, like, he exchanges one line with, with like, um with Laurie. Like, they have, like, one one-liner with each other. I can't even remember what it is. Yeah, it but nothing. it's literally, like... They look at each other, exchange one sentence. These two characters have just met for the first time. Loomis has had his first interaction with Mike Myers. He looks back out the window. We see his eyes widen because Mike Myers is gone from the lawn. He's not lying there where he was all shot to shit. And (laughs) this ending of the movie is fucking insane because we get nothing although it is highly suspenseful i actually kind of liked it like it actually got my heart racing a little bit because what we get is like like the music comes back it's like bum bum and we get this breathing like the mike myers breathing starts like (sighs) like coming louder and louder as we get all of these just like static shots of like different areas in the neighborhood that have been in the movie it's like the fucking house with laurie and loomis in it the old myers house like all these different like shots that we're just seeing and then the movie just ends Like, Michael Myers has escaped. The movie's just over. Credits. Alright, a little social social interaction for us here. If you've enjoyed this spooktacular Halloween experience, uh, you should go check us out, absolutely, uh, on on Tweedo. Yeah, Tweedo. It's called Tweedo. Yeah, we got, like, so we we, we obviously have Curio Network on Facebook, but we're also at Curio Network 
uh, on Twitter. Um, and oh, I- oh, go check out the Instagram for sure. Yes. Because um, Grace has been doing shit on Instagram. Uh, definitely want to plug that because she's been actually crushing it. She makes fun little posts every time we do anything. Yeah, yeah. It's very good stuff. Um, we're also at SI Curio Show and my Twitter handle is at Jackson underscore Usid. And I'm at Mr. BT McAllister. Come get at us. Yeah. Bring the heat. <laughs> That's the new catchphrase I'm going for. Okay, Jackson. I'd like to talk about MVPs with you. One MVP I didn't get in there. I mean, we kind of... I, I feel like I have to give one to Loomis for, for doing the shooting. Like, he does yeah, come into the last he, minute he does and save the day. the shooting is the thing, yeah. He does do the saving of the day. So, quickly to recap MVPs. I've got Annie for being just the coolest cat, the coolest customer, the coolest mm-hmm. dentist chick in mm-hmm. town. And I've gone... Loomis. Those are my only two. I uh, I had Laurie just for her, like, attempts at, like, studying and that sort of thing. Um, yeah, but that's I- cool. I kind of like Annie, just because she's, uh, she's got a very cool vibe going on. Um, you I know what also I mean? like and Annie. I also like the fact that she's 29 goddamn years old and playing a high school teenager. I mean, that's... <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's, 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 it's an that. impressive transformative performance. <laughs> this is one of the most transformative performances <laughs> of all time. You know, people list these things. They talk about, you know, uh, my left foot. They talk about, uh, you know, that great Eddie Redman where he does the... the, the Eddie the Redman? Yeah, Eddie Redman when he does the Stephen Hawking Yeah, thing. you got ne- Neutron Man, Tarantula about- Man, Red Man. Yeah. <laughs> He's really good at acting. They talk about Nancy Kyes as a high school girl at age 29. So I think yeah, MVP do. for sure. I'm glad we're agreed on that. Busting to my LVPs. Like, I, yep. actually had one, I actually had one for Lindsay, for Kyle, uh, Kyle Richards. Because, like, you know, not what sort of person you want to be within a spooky film. Like, just, like, very uninvest- uninvolved, just wanting to watch her movies while Annie is potentially getting, like, shot to death. And then I actually had an MVP for Loomis because it just took him so long to figure out what was happening. Well, who- who'd you have? I- I've got Judith Myers for leaving the fucking door open and also the actress who played Judith Myers in a double nomination. <laughs> yeah. Um, I've got the kids for just sucking at bullying. Boogeyman, boogeyman, boogeyman. <laughs> <laughs> and I've got... Bob for having no human decency and also saying that awful, awful thing about Lindsay. Those it's are my Bob. It's Bob. It's Bob. It's Bob. It's Bob. It's yeah, got to be Bob. It is Bob. It is Bob. Here's the thing, Ben. I know that it's Bob, but what I do want to know is, do you have any trivia for me? I, I think I can, can can break some out for you. Let me let me just hang on. Let me hang on. I'll just let me. <laughs> uh, I, I I took notes um, throughout the movie with things that I figured out myself. Yeah, yeah, trivia trivia that I knew about already before I even yeah, watched it. Yeah, very very good. This is insane. John Carpenter considered the hiring of Jamie Lee Curtis as the ultimate tribute to Alfred Hitchcock, who had given her mother, Janet Lee, legendary <gasps> status in Psycho. So, like, he literally hired her as a nod to the movies. <laughs> 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 John Carpenter and Deborah Hill have stated many times over the years that they did not consciously set out to depict virginity as a way of defeating a rampaging killer. Because this is something we didn't address. Both of the teens who yeah. talk about fucking a lot get murdered. The one teen who is studious and goes to school, like, doesn't get murdered. It's this whole trope in Which is like, well, yeah, a gigantic like, horny trope. Horny teens are bad. Yeah. 
So the the what this thing says, the reason why the horny teens all die is simply with the, that they are so preoccupied with getting laid that they don't notice that there is a killer on the lodge. On the okay. other hand, Laurie spends a lot of time on her own and is therefore more alert. So that's trivia for the movie, Jackson. That's trivia. That's... The- <laughs> They're too horned up to see the murderous man in the mask. This might explain some of the things we didn't address, which are the sort of just, like, the perplexing number of, like, just close-ups on Jamie Lee Curtis as she just kind of whimpers. Like, this happened a lot in the movie. Like, I guess this is the way she was portraying the fear. Like, it would literally, she would just be like... Yeah. And this might, this might explain some of those shots. As the film was shot out of sequence... John Carpenter created a fear meter so that Jamie Lee Curtis would know what level of terror she should be exhibiting. (laughs) (laughs) It's like behind the camera, he's just standing there with like a cardboard fear meter. It's a six! More fear, Jamie! It's a six! More more fear! You're giving me a a five and it's a six! Uh, The original script titled The Babysitter Murders as the events take place over a space of several days. It was a budgetary decision to change the script to have everything happen on the same day. (laughs) And it was decided that Halloween, Uh, the scariest night of the year, was the perfect (laughs) night for this to happen. The Halloween theme is written in the rare 5-4 time signature. John Carpenter learned this rhythm from his father. (laughs) So he wrote the music thing like, this is my dad's rhythm. These are the secret rhythms my daddy taught me. (laughs) Oh, daddy cool. (laughs) My dad's secret time signature. Still Interested is a production of the Curio Network and hosted by Ben McAllister and Jackson Usid. We are produced by me, Grace Chapel. Editing by Jackson Usid. Theme music is Anitra's Dance, composed by Edward Grieg. You can follow us on Facebook and Twitter, at Curio Network and at SI Curio Show. We'd love to hear from you if you've got thoughts about the show, so find us on Facebook or Twitter. If you like the show, think about giving us a rate and review on iTunes, or wherever you listen. It actually is really helpful. We've got other content on Curio, such as Odds and Ends, where I talk with people about the mementos they've kept and the stories behind them. Or How to Win Loot and Influence Dragons, where we play D&D. Seriously, it's a lot of fun. Check it all out at curionetwork.com. We'll see you in two weeks.